Welcome to Ebenezer's podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's lead pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Uh, good morning. Welcome here. If you don't know me, my name is Cal. I'm part of the staff team here. And it's a real privilege to be able to share uh, from God's Word this morning. I, I'm actually really loving the series uh, that we're in. Now, if you're newer to us, or one of your first times, uh, we're in the middle of this series that we're, we've titled Hearing God. And it's really just an opportunity to, to learn, but then to also put into practice this idea of just slowing down our lives enough so that we can hear God's voice. So I want to welcome you, especially if you're here for one of the first times, and I hope that you engage fully with what we're doing. Welcome to those who are watching online. And for those watching online, just a reminder that we will be having communion today. And so if you need to uh, gather some communion elements, you know, a, you know, a cracker or, or a biscuit uh, and some juice to prepare for communion uh, at the end of uh, the message, go ahead and do that now. And if you came in and you did not receive a communion element, uh, we'll make sure some ushers get those to you before we take communion together at the end of the service. Now, as mentioned today, we're kind of not the middle, middle-ish. We're in week three of our series, Hearing God. Now, before we get into today's message, again, let me remind you, it's been announced already, but let me also remind you that we're doing a teaching part on Sunday morning. But just as importantly, there's a practice part during the week that we want each of you to be a part of. Um, Tuesday evenings from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. is kind of the main opportunity uh, to come and to put into practice uh, with others some of the things that we've been learning. You can do so in person here or by Zoom. But all, many of our ministry groups, including our women's ministry, youth ministries, college and career, so on, are also using their weekly gatherings in order to come together to, to practice what we're, we're, we're trying to learn. I would just say, seize the opportunity to do so. Let's have families and, and uh, housemates and roommates and life groups and so on and so forth all practicing this together, just simply pausing to hear from God. Now, some of the comments that I've heard from Tuesdays, one of the, actually, a comment I've heard several times about our Tuesday evening gathering is that it's simply being good just to take time out of a busy and a hectic week to spend an hour in, in reflectiveness and in meditation with a heart and a posture just to hear from God. So I encourage you to take the opportunity to do that. Just take a, an, one hour out of your busy week. Just come and let's listen for God's voice together. Now, we started this uh, series with the question, does God still speak today? And I'm going to even shorten Leighton's five-word answer from last week and simply say one word, yes. Or well, maybe two words, absolutely yes. Yes, he does. He does still speak to us today. And I would say that the problem that, that we may have is that likely we either don't recognize the voice of God, which is something we're trying to learn to do, or we, we, we're, we're too busy. Our lives are too busy. They're too hectic. They're too filled with routine and, and activity for us to truly stop and to truly listen. Now, last week, Pastor Lane continued our series with this question, why do we need to hear God's voice? And I, I absolutely loved what he talked about. And it's become a huge part of, of how I'm trying to shape my, uh, my, my faith of journey, uh, my journey of faith, excuse me, and how I'm trying to understand what it means to be a Christ follower. Here are the three reasons that Pastor Lane highlighted. We need to hear God's voice because He is our King. Second, we need to hear God's voice because He's our Father. And thirdly, we need to hear uh, God's voice because He is our life. 
Now, if you didn't hear last week's message, go back and listen to it. I think this is, to, to me, it's been one of the hinge messages that we've had. And I just want to add a thought as I've been, you know, kind of processing this week what, what, what uh, Pastor Layton talked about. And let me just add a simple thought to it is this. This idea that God is our king, that he's our father, and that he's our life really boils down to one foundational aspect of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is our identity in Christ. Our identity. See, when we understand that God is our king, we, we understand that our identity is that we are servants. That we are called to serve him, the king, but we're also called to serve one another. We live out our identity when we serve. God is our father means that we are his children. And together, we're a family. And so if you're newer here, I hope your experience here with us this morning is not so much whether you enjoyed the music or the message and so on, but whether you experienced our concept of family, that we want you to be a part of his family. And God as our life means that the fullness and abundance of life is found wholly and entirely in him as we live out these character traits of our identity. Now this morning, we're going to continue in our series looking at another key aspect of hearing God, and it's this. The Bible, or the Scripture, is the primary way to hear God's voice. The Bible, or Scripture, is the primary way to hear God. Now in my journey as a Christ follower, from the time I made that decision to follow Christ when I was 18 years old, that was the summer of 1986, you can do the math to figure out how old I am, but the Bible for me has been the primary way in which I've heard the voice of God. Since my very first Bible college class some 33 years ago, there's just been something about studying God's Word and discovering the truth in its pages that has absolutely captivated me. However, it wasn't probably until sometime in the late 1990s that I began to understand that God not only wanted to reveal something to me, but God actually wanted to speak to me through his word. And that's when I began to have promptings, to have a sense. To, I've never had, I don't think I could say, an audible voice. We're going to talk a little bit of next week about how some of the ways God speaks to us. I don't know I've ever had an audible voice, but I certainly know that there's been impressions on my heart that I've discovered God wanting to say to me through his word. So I slowly, but you know, it, it's always a challenge, but I'm trying to include times where I not only study God's word to discover truth, but I'm trying to study and meditate on God's word to, to simply hear his voice. It's been an ongoing process, and it continues even to this day, but it's a discipline that I, I want to grow in, and I hope that you will as well. Now, this morning we're going to examine this idea that the Bible is a primary way to hear God by looking and answering three questions. First question is, why? Why is the Bible the primary way to hear God? Second question is, how? How does God speak to us through his word? And then the third question is another how. How can we then learn to hear God through the words of scripture? So let's begin by looking at a key scripture about the nature and importance of God's word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy uh, 3, verses 14 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, uh, verses 14 to 17. That's going to kind of be our anchor text for this morning. Now, for context... We need to remember that Paul is writing to Timothy, a young leader of the church in Ephesus, one of the churches that Paul planted and one of the churches he actually loved very deeply. Paul is imprisoned in Rome writing this letter, and he's nearing the end, not only of his ministry, but actually of his life. And he's, kinda, he's passing the torch of leadership 
of these new emerging churches to the next generation, of which Timothy is one of these new leaders. Now, throughout Paul's letters, there are two major warnings that he is constantly reminding his audience and his listeners of. First, that people will generally continue to live for themselves, for their own desires, their own priorities, their own, uh, and their own wants. And second, people will move away from the truth of God's word, either willingly or through the deception of false teachers. You'll, you'll hear these themes throughout Paul's writings. Now, in 2 Timothy, Paul begins chapter 3 this way. He says this, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, uh, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, uh, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Pretty harsh words, quite words of warning, and, and maybe they describe the way we live today, the world that we're living in today. But then Paul goes on to say this to a young Timothy, our text for this morning. He says to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul held Scripture, the Word of God, in the highest regard. In the highest regard. Listen to what he says in Romans 15. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we, must, we might have hope. Let me just pause for a moment and ask you that same question. Do, you, do we hold scripture with the highest regard? Do we treat scripture and hold scripture in our lives with the same regard that Paul did? Now, don't answer with a verbal response. I'm not asking you to, for a show of hand, of, of course. But don't answer with a verbal response. Answer this way. Consider your life, your priority, your practices. What place does God's word have in your life? Now, I know I'm personally not always as disciplined as I'd like to be. And to be honest, confession time a little bit here, I'm not always excited when it comes to reading and meditating and studying and even memorizing God's Word. There are times where reading God's Word feels much more like a to-do list or I better do list. Here's what I've learned just recently, going back to our identity that Pastor Lane talked about last week with God as our King and God as our Father and the fullness of life that is found in Him. God longs for us to grow in intimacy with Him as our King and as our Father and experience that true, abundant, and fulfilling life. And there are ways in which we can grow in that relationship. We can grow in that intimacy. Sometimes we refer to these as the spiritual disciplines. But God doesn't want us to engage in these dis disciplines, including immersing ourselves in His Word, 
with the perspective that it's a task to do or that he's not pleased with us if we don't do it. God doesn't want us to feel guilty if we don't pick up our Bibles for a day or for a week or two weeks or a month. However, God knows that when we make Scripture an important and a priority in our lives, we reap the benefits of being in close and intimate relationship with Him. And it is through these disciplines, including God's Word, that we can hear His voice. And I want to remind us that when we listen, when we're listening for God's voice, it's not, we're not only listening for what God wants us to do. He doesn't only want to instruct us. God wants to reveal to us who He is. He wants us to hear His voice as He speaks to us about who He is. God wants to reveal to us who we are. Too often, our voices, our minds are crowded out by the things that the world tells us we are and the way the world defines us or sometimes the way we define ourselves. And sometimes we have these, uh, these issues with our mental health and so on and so forth because we don't have a right view of who we are. And God longs to speak to us and tell us, this is who you are. This is how much you're loved by me and treasured by me. And so when we engage in the spiritual disciplines, including immersing ourselves in his word, we're better positioned to hear his voice as he longs to speak in our life. And this is all part of the importance of why we must learn to hear God. So my opening question for us this morning might simply be, do we hold a high view of Scripture as Paul did? Are we like the Thessalonians that Paul praised with these words? Paul says this, and we also thank God continually because when you, the Thessalonians, received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, who is indeed at work in you who believe. Well, let's continue with the question of why. Why is Scripture the primary way to hear God? Because Scripture is inspired by God. Let's go back to what Paul wrote to Timothy. He says in verse 16 of uh, 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. Now, this is the only time that the, word for, uh, the Greek word for God-breathed is used in all, in, in all the Bible. So it's hard to really understand by comparing it to other passages what it means. But we can continue with a, with a supporting passage of this idea. We can maybe try to understand what the importance of the inspiration of Scripture is. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, uh, verses 20 to 21, he says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we have these kind of these two ideas here that Scripture is God-breathed and the prophets wrote it as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, now there's a whole theology around the inspiration of Scripture that we don't have time to get into this morning, but let me just try to summarize kind of, kind of the big idea of what it means that that Scripture is, is God-breathed or inspired by God. God used the styles and the personalities, the background, the ethnicities, and the experiences of each and every Bible author, and through His Holy Spirit guided and inspired them to write in the original languages of the Bible exactly what He wanted them to write and exactly what He wants us to know today. 
Now, because Scripture is inspired and inspired by God Himself, God's written word is inerrant and infallible, meaning that they are without error and they are completely trustworthy. Scripture, God's word, does not and will not fail. These are not just ideas written by human authors that somebody collected at some point and said, Let, let's make this into a, a, a book. Maybe it maybe it'd even be a good book. This is the actual thoughts and mind of God that has been revealed to us through human beings as they were guided and carried by the Holy Spirit in their original languages and now given to us. I just read 2 Peter 1, 20-21 for us, but let me go back one more verse. Read verse 19. 2 Peter 1, uh, verse 19 says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Scripture is 100% reliable. Why? Because it comes from God. It's been inspired by God. So our starting point as to why the Bible is a primary way to hear God is because the Bible is God's inspired word. Holy, inerrant, and infallible. And therefore, it must be, it must be foundational and authoritative in our lives. It has to be. Anyone who claims to be a Christ follower must build their lives on the foundation and the authority of God's Word. So the question then becomes, not only that, do you hold Scripture in the highest regard, but do you allow it then to have its proper place in our lives? as authority and foundation for how you live your life. Now, we'll get into this a little bit more as we go along. But listen to what theologian N.T. Wright says. He says this. He says, The Bible is designed to function through human beings, through the church, and through people who, living still by the Spirit, have their life molded by this Spirit-inspired book. As we let the Bible be the Bible, God works through us and it, to do what he intends to do in and for the church and the world. Now, another quick side note. There's been a movement over the last several years, depending on you know, what research you look at, it could be the last you know, 8 to 10 or even up to 20 years. Uh, there's been a movement that is beginning to infiltrate the Christian church. And some have coined this movement progressive Christianity. Now, again, we don't have time to get into the details of it, but one of the main characteristics of this movement is actually a lowered view of Scripture, a lowered view of the inspiration and the authority of Scripture. And we get, begin to interpret Scripture through the lens of our experiences instead of, instead of interpreting our experiences and our lives through the lens of Scripture. I'm just saying that to, to be warned that this is part of what's going to be happening in the last days. You maybe even be confronted with it now. But just remember that the Bible is a primary way to hear the voice of God because Scripture is inspired by God. And as being inspired, it is inerrant and infallible, and it must be foundational and authoritative in our lives. The second question I want to answer or try to look at is the question, well, how does God speak to us through His Word? How does God speak to us through his inspired word? Over the first couple messages in this series, you will have heard Pastor Layton use these two words, these two Greek words, 
when it comes to the voice of God or hearing God. Logos and rhema. You've probably heard those several times. I'm going to do my best to try to, uh, to, try to broaden or try to, uh, you know, narrow, try to def- define them for us this morning. I just said broaden, then I said narrow, so that doesn't make any sense. Logos and rhema. Let's see, rhema. I'm going to try to explain these. Logos is, is used in, in two ways. The first way is in John 1.1, 1, 1, and it's the only time that logos is used in this way, where uh, logos is used to refer to Jesus. In John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, Logos, or Logos, and the Word, Logos, was with God, and the Word, again, Logos, was, with, was God. God revealed and expressed Himself through His Son, Jesus. Hebrews 1 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets, and at many times and in various ways, but in these last days He has spoken to us through His Son, Logos. Now, the rest of the, the time Logos is used in Scripture, it means what God has said to us or what God has said to everyone. Basically, it refers to the Bible, the written Word of God, which includes things like the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and, and so on. Rhema is a specific Word of God. It's a specific Word of God. It's a specific message given to a specific person for a specific time. You could say that Logos, the general written word of God, contains many instances of rhema, specific words given by God to individual humans. Moses was given rhema at the burning bush when God told him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Noah was given rhema when he was told to build the ark. Paul was given rhema several times in his ministry, including where to go, where not to go. All of these rhema are now contained in our Logos, the Word of God. Now, if you're totally confused, so am I. So let me see if I can explain this a little better. If I stand up here, and I just open my arms out to all of you, like in an imaginary air hug, and I said, I love you, that would be true. I do love and appreciate each and every one of you, and I would include all of you, um, staff, most of the staff, staff. Um, those of you who are part of our church family, some of you who are closer friends uh, than, than others, my, my own family, uh, even people I don't know, uh, my wife and my daughter are over here as well. Now, notice I include my wife in this grouping of this big air hug when I say, hey, I love you. What do you think the words I love you to a general group of people, including Michelle, what do you think that means to her? Uh, probably not a whole lot. But what if I walked over to Michelle and I looked her directly in her eyes and I held her hands and I said to her, I love you, and made it a personal word. After she stopped giggling, then she might, that might, well, you know, that would mean much more to her. The same words, I love you, has now become a personal message and it carries with it a whole new uh, depth and level of understanding and meaning. I, I kind of see this cyclical relationship between Logos and Rhema. Logos forms a foundation that allows us to hear the specific word of God. Rhema, the specific words of God that we hear, must be consistent and confirmed by the general word of God. 
If we desire a personal word of guidance from God, we need to know how God guided others in the past that are found in Scripture. If we're in a situation where we want to claim the promises of God, we're, let's say, in a difficult relational setting or a financial situation or a work situation, and we want to claim the promises of God, we need to read His Word to know what promises He's made to us so that He can give us a specific promise in our situation. This past week, I had a profoundly powerful rhema from God. It came out of God's logos. We as a staff, as, as Pastor Layton is leading us as a staff, as well as he's leading through a, uh, the board, through a, a, a form of this, um, less, these lessons. It's in a, in a book called Abide, or a handbook called Abide or The Way. And this past week, or the week previous actually, our reading was from Matthew 11. Now, I've read the book of Matthew maybe hundreds of times. Many of you know, you know some of my situation over the past couple of years. And I was reading Matthew 11, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Again, another passage I've read many, many times before. These words suddenly just jumped off the pages of the Bible, of Scripture, and just, it just punched me right in the heart. In a good way. This is where Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I had read that passage so many times before, and it was part of God's logos, his general written word that he's given to all of us. All of you can read that exact same passage. But this past week, that was a personal word from God to me. And it just hit home how loving he is and how much he longs for, for me to just submit everything to him and allow him to do his work in whatever way he chooses. And in that moment, God spoke directly to me, and he gave me this rhema from his logos. You see, when God speaks, when we hear his voice, our lives are changed, are transformed. The Bible logos forms a foundation and the confirmation of God's voice rhema in our lives. So how does God speak to us through his word? Through his general word. But through his general word, he gives us a specific word. And that's why we have to dig into and meditate on and memorize and understand the words of scripture. Which brings us to our final point this morning. If God's word is inspired, authoritative, and infallible, if God uses his logos word to give us a rhema word, how can we hear from God in a regular and a meaningful way? Let me share with you three steps we need to apply in our lives if we're going to hear from God. Read, obey, uh, read, submit, and obey. First, we need to read God's Word. Well, that sounds simple and obvious, doesn't it? 
but it might be one of the most challenging steps to take. According to Barner Research from 2018, 48% of Americans say they use the Bible in some way. Don't think 48% is good yet. 48% of Americans use the Bible in some way three or four times a year. Only 14% of respondents say they read their Bibles daily. That would be like maybe the first four rows here. Maybe five-ish. When asked why people don't read the Bible, LifeWay research that discovered that 27% say it's not a priority, 15% say, that 15% say they don't have time, and 13% say they feel like they've read it enough. Now, having said that, some research indicates that those numbers have actually gone up a bit during the pandemic. Now, I give you these stats, and I ask you where you might be in your Bible reading, not, not to give you a guilt trip. I don't want you to figure out which part of the percentage you're in. That, that's not my point in this. But simply to say that if we're not reading our Bibles, it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to hear from God in any meaningful or transformative way, and it certainly becomes practically impossible to confirm anything that we think we may have heard from God. This is the balance we want to bring, is that you may think you've heard a word from God, but if it's not confirmed by the written word of God, then is it really from God? Remember in our passage what Paul affirmed in Timothy? Paul said in, in, uh, in our passage from verse 14 and 15, he says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Scripture for Paul and Timothy would have been the Old Testament, and Timothy, as he grew up, was given the foundation of Scripture. Another little side note, parents, there's a message there for us, right? I would say that there were two things for me growing up that kept me from digging deeply into God's Word, certainly as a new believer. First, that perceived guilt that came if I didn't do it. You know, these thoughts kind of ran through my mind. If I was a good Christian, I'd read my Bible more. Or from up front, I'd be like, well, you better read your Bible, or you're going to do your devotions every day. That mentality. And second... There were times where I found the Bible, well, kind of boring. In my earlier years, I had little appreciation for, uh, a little appreciation and even understanding of what God's Word really was, really is. I, I would read it like, like my worst subject in, in school was probably physics. And I would read the Bible like a physics textbook. Like just like more stuff to memorize and to try to learn and understand and stuff I really didn't get the relevance of. How did this apply to my current life? However, if we take the perspective that the Bible is God's revelation to us of who He is and who we are and how we can live in the fullness of relationship and intimacy with Him and that actually God longs to speak to us through His Word, I think we might not find it quite so boring. Layton, do you, do you recognize this? I, I think it's yours because when you left the office on Friday, I, I think it fell out of your, your backpack from work. 
So um, I picked it up and I kind of looked it through and there's there a title on it. It says, The Stories and Lessons of L.E. That's why I assumed it's yours. There's no name on it. So I started to flip through this and whew, there's some good stuff here. Like some of the pages are a little bit like it's hard to read. It's hard to, to make out some of the things. But like I think 1972, did you write something about if my parents ever find out? Uh, I can't make out exactly what that says. Later on, 1980, I think, maybe 81, good thing the police weren't there. (laughs) What's that about? Oh, here's another good one. I found this here, too. I don't have a date on this. I can't read it. It just says, Brenda, Brenda, Brenda. (laughs) Yeah, and then, oh, well... (laughs) Then there's a more recent entry here, too. It's amazing how much stuff you got into this book. I think it's 2019, 2018, and it says, just, my kids can never know, and then something, something, something. Yeah. How many, do, you, do you, anyone want to read this? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is not Leighton's book. <laughs> but, but if this were... Wouldn't all of us just want to like, yeah, yeah, let me see. What is Leighton thinking? What was he doing? What were his thoughts at that time? What was he so excited about? Or what was he so upset about? Or what was going on in his... Like, we'd all be desperate to just fling this thing open and read it. I'm sure Brenda would want to be the first one. Like, we wouldn't read it like a history book or a physics textbook for me, right? We'd read it because we want to get to know the person who wrote it. And what was going through his mind and how that relates to us. What that says to us. Yes, it's important to study scripture so that we can learn doctrine and history and discover how God desires that we as people live. But, but the words of scripture are so much more. This is the way God has chosen to speak to us. To speak to each and every one of you. And if God, wants, if God is going to speak to us through his word, we have to read it. We have to begin by reading it. Second, we need to submit to it. If scripture is going to be authoritative in our lives, like I mentioned earlier, we need to make the decision, the decision of our will to submit ourselves to what it says. You know, our natural human tendency is to resist submission to anyone and anything. Uh, that's, That's an obvious statement. But if we truly long to hear God speak, we have to submit to his word. A.W. Tozer said, we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. And I think it was Mark Twain who said something like this. It says, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can understand that bother me. It's the part I do not understand. We must submit to Scripture and allow Scripture to transform us. And not allow society's values, society's norms and beliefs to shape our view of Scripture. You've heard me say it before, but one of the reasons why I feel absolutely privileged to be on staff and to serve here at Ebenezer is because we place a high value on the Word of God. We try to stay away from social commentary and throwing in a verse here and there in order to support what our own opinions or our own views are. We try to form our opinions and views out of Scripture and not allow Scripture to to be an add-on to an already formed opinion. We strive to preach accurately the Word of God, not just to say things that make you or to make me feel good. 
You know, we'd love it if we came in here and Leighton or Kelly or I or others who speak would, would simply just give you a pep talk, right? Make you feel good about yourself going out, maybe relieve some of the guilt about different things. But, but that, if God's word isn't that, then it's not that. If God is going to speak to us through his word, we need to submit ourselves to it. And finally, we need to obey it. Now, again, that seems obvious, but, but it's not always easy, is it? Submission and obedience go hand in hand. Here's how I would express it. I think submission is our attitude and our posture towards God's word, that when we open its pages, we need to make our minds up that whatever it says, I'm going to submit myself to it. And then obedience then becomes the action that comes out of submission. Francis Chan said, don't fall into the trap of studying the Bible without doing what it says. You know, I've heard of lots of people way, way, way smarter than me who are theologians, but they simply study the Bible to get the information out, and they don't submit or obey it in order to allow the transformation to occur. There's a story of King Saul that gives us a vivid picture of what God expects from us and what can happen when we are disobedient to his word. In 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel was sent to Saul with a very specific command from the Lord. Said, now go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Saul obeyed. Sort of. He actually responded in partial obedience. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. Saul was disobedient to God, and it was not the first time. And listen to God's reaction to Saul in 1 Samuel 15. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And when Samuel confronts Saul about his disobedience, Saul tries to shift the blame. He tries to justify the disobedience, much like we do, right from the Garden of Eden, right? Shift the blame. He says, well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. It's so typical of human behavior. And Saul was like that kid with his hand in the cookie jar trying to justify his disobedience or find someone else to blame for a decision and a choice that he made. And Saul went even further. He tried to convince Samuel that his disobedience was actually acceptable, that God would actually be pleased by my disobedience because I was doing it for him. Listen to 1 Samuel 15 as Samuel confronts Saul and he says, she, he says this, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Disobedience comes with consequences, including a barrier in our relationship with God, but it also means that we're unable to hear his voice when we willfully disobey and we don't repent. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If God is going to speak to us through, the word, through his word, then we need to read it, we need to submit to it, and we need to obey it. Ashley, you can, the worship team can come on up and get ready to lead us in our closing song. God's word, the Bible, is the primary, is the primary way to hear God's voice. And it is primary because God's word is inspired and therefore needs to be foundational and authoritative in our lives. 
God speaks in both his general logos word as well as his specific rhema word. And we hear or we position ourselves to hear most clearly when we read, when we submit to, and when we obey his word. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for creating us to know you and to have relationship with you. Thank you that you indeed are our king, our father, and in you is the fullness and abundance of life. Lord, may our heart's desire be like that of your son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, emptied himself of his glory, took on the posture of a human being, and sacrificed himself on the cross for us. But he was not left in the grave, but in resurrecting from the dead, he defeated the power of sin and darkness and death. And it is through him that we may truly have life. Father, we eagerly await and anticipate his return to call us home. May our hearts desire to be like your son as we allow your word and your Holy Spirit to transform us. Use your word to speak to us in powerful ways. And Lord, when we hear your voice, may we walk in submission and obedience. Welcome to Ebenezer's podcast a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's lead pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message.